You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast on a sermon series entitled Breakthrough. Hi, I'm Tyler, and this is my wife, Laura, and we have four boys, Chase, who's seven, Cole, who's five, Eli, who is three, and Owen, who was born in May of 2018, is just over one right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as Ty mentioned, Owen was born in May, and just briefly after his birth, we had always known that he looked just a smidge bit different than our other boys. They were very cookie cutter up until this point, and uh, we found it very, very sweet. It was a very sweet, adorable little face, but um, four to six weeks later, we learned that he was born with a birth defect called craniosynostosis, a big fancy word. Um, for one of the suture lines in his brain had fused prematurely. And as a result of that, we also learned that he would need a significant surgical correction um, at about four to six months of age. So um, September 25th of 2018, we sent Owen off to the operating room. Um, following just some some wild appointments and injections and he really went through a lot up until that point and it was just this looming cloud for us knowing that this surgery was coming but we had full faith in the team it was so god ordained it was really a good team we were told that we would hear hourly and we did they did such a great job we heard at the first hour he's doing great we heard at the second hour he's doing great we made it to about 11:30 and he started at 7.45ish, and, um, and then there was a long pause, and we didn't hear at 12.30, and we didn't hear at 1.30, and 2.30, and 3.30, and um, my nurse brain went to, you know, I'm just wondering if they're, they're just minutes from closing, and they just wanna finish up and be able to tell us he's all done, and so and then we saw our anesthesiologist ran the, round the bend, and he came and sat down with us, and moments before that, uh, Ben and Kelsey Hernley had just heard that they were to be induced uh, with their Eliana that day. So at, at Abbott Northwestern, and on their way up there, they stopped by and sat with us just just briefly, and it was just perfectly timed. God was such a good provider in that moment. And they were sitting with us, and um, I really was anticipating he's, he's done and he's in recovery. And he said, he started with, he's okay, but, and the but was hard. Um, and he just, with tears in his own eyes, went through um, a pretty major life-threatening complication that Owen had sustained in surgery. So while his cranial bones were removed, um, air had entered a large vessel in his brain. It's called an air emboli. And um, as you know, a, a system that works with liquid air is no good. And so had it reached his heart, his heart would stop. And so they ended up doing three rounds of CPR. They were successful in removing it prior to it reaching his brain, which we are so grateful for, but they didn't know, you know, what it was, it was just really only time would tell and God's healing miraculous work on his body um, would tell.
And God did do a miraculous work, and I would encourage you to go online and watch the rest of that video. And scenarios like this do happen. God does heal. But miracles take all kinds of different forms and situations. Sometimes it's financial resources that come in at the last moment. Sometimes it's rescues from a natural disaster. Sometimes it's relational healing and reconciliation with God. But miracles still do happen. And I want to encourage you this morning that even if you are in a hopeless place, or there's a dark spot in your life that you've been praying and praying and praying that God would intervene, that God hasn't forgotten about you. In fact, that's where God does His best work. So this morning we're going to learn that you can go from a broken person You can go from wrecked and ruined to rejoicing. And through the power of Christ, you can move from broken to unbreakable. And so I want to encourage you with that this morning. Let's take our Bibles and we're going to go to a passage where miracles were happening in spades. Acts 19, beginning in verse 11. So please turn there with me. Acts 19, 11. You can also find this uh, in the Bible in the rack in front of you on page 928 or on the Ridgewood app. And you can just touch media and go to the study guide. Acts 19, beginning in verse 11. Next week, we're starting our bold series. Today, though, we're talking about some of the same themes, courage and and faith and and just getting closer to the Lord. And we're going to see this immense power show up here in Acts 19. Because God's power is much more than we normally give it credit for. And so let's take a look at the text, Acts 19 and 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Now that's a fascinating couple of verses. Not only was God doing amazing miracles, but it was in a place where you wouldn't think you would see many. Paul is in Ephesus. He's on his third missionary journey. Ephesus was this Roman capital of Asia, and it was an idol-worshiping city. It revolved around Artemis, the goddess. There was a temple there, and the city's economy revolved around it. The workmen were, were making idol duplicates that you could buy in the store and so forth. And here comes this crazy, zealous Christian in the name of Jesus, who in their mind had been dead for a long time, and he's doing these amazing miracles. And so he was turning things upside down. But the power of God was on display for all to see quite clearly. And that's where I want to start this morning, to discover how to go from being broken to being unbreakable. You must understand that this is all about the power of God. Breakthrough miracles only happen through the work of God. Now, this point should be obvious, but we go so many other places to find miracles. And if you look at verse 11 again, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. God was doing them by the hands of Paul. This is all about the power of God. 
And these miracles parallel the miracles of Peter that were happening at the same time in Jerusalem so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on the cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So in in both of these instances, you have Paul in Ephesus, you have Peter over here in Jerusalem, and it's God pulling the trigger. And, And he can take someone, he can take them from emotional brokenness, spiritual brokenness, physical brokenness, and he can renew and restore. And that's the hope we have in the power of God. The power of God is endless and unmatched. And I wanted to show you a couple of scriptures just to remind you of that this morning. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. And then the psalmist wrote this, He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. He numbers the stars. He gives all of them names. And then in Ephesians, Paul, the the man we're looking at right now, wrote this. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And then Paul goes on to say, far above. All rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. This is the kind of power that's available to us. This is the kind of power that does miracles. But here's the amazing thing. Not only that God is immensely powerful, but that he's not this distant force. Deism is this theological thought process that says that God just kind of turned the universe on and then he walked away and hoped it worked well. But that's not what God is. God is someone who loves you deeply. God is someone who sees your heart. God knows those places inside of you that you're about to give up on. God knows the fears and the shame that you would never share with anyone. And God is going to go into those places and he can do miracles there. The psalmist was sure of it. As we, as we see Psalm 42, 8, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And so here David is writing that at night it can be hard. And David was lonely and David was afraid, and yet God was with him. And so here, the the miracles that were happening, it's not the miracle worker, it's not the tools, it's God. And that's where we need to keep our focus. That's where we get our hope. That's who takes us from being broken inside to being wholly unbreakable. And so he did use interesting tools here, though. Handkerchiefs and aprons. 
but they contain no power in themselves. But still, interestingly enough, God many times takes these kinds of tools that have no power so that he can show his power. And I, I think it's interesting that there were these things being distributed. Look at verse 12. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And, and, and culturally speaking, that's exactly what you think they are. Aprons for, for household work, handkerchiefs to wipe perspiration away and so forth. But it's important to understand that these objects had no magical power. They, they, they were used as a symbol of the power of God. They, they would... They would bring comfort to those who were far away and couldn't be near Paul. But it was the power of God, and it's absurd to think that they would have any power in themselves. Yet that practice of putting our faith in systems and in theology and in objects has permeated the church today. In many churches, teachers will sell anointed products like prayer towels and, and, and holy water. And then if you buy them, then you're promised God's blessing. Well, that's nothing short of witchcraft and adultery because it's God that we must worship and trust. And I ran into this headlong when I was going to Dallas to broadcast an Arizona Cardinals game when I was running their network back in the day. And, and I thought, this is going to be great because... It's a 3 o'clock kickoff, and I can go to church and feeling really good about myself, like prioritizing my time, and could just go right from church to the stadium. And so there was this church about a mile away. I got in my car and drove over there, and I, and I walked inside, and it was, you know, a little strange. There's some things going on there I wasn't really used to. I'm a Baptist. You know, I'm not used to emotion. So, um, sorry, that was just a joke, okay? So. Um, you, can, you can write those notes to Walt Pittman, our executive pastor, and just uh, send those along. Um, but I thought to myself, you know, I can deal with this. I'm open-minded. Like, it's going to be cool. Until I saw the pastor emerge as he came out during the worship song, and I recognized him. And he was this well-known televangelist. And he was known for selling prayer towels and anointing oils. And I think... If I remember right, he was either about to go to prison or had just gotten out of prison for bilking all of his followers. And I thought, I'm out of here. I'm going to football. You know, it seemed like a safer place. But it's so terribly sad that all of these people had been drawn into this nonsense. And so we need to be really careful not to put our trust in the objects, not to put our trust in formulas but in Christ himself, because there are deceitful people around. They will lead people astray. Jesus warned us about these people in Matthew 24. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. So please be careful. And really, when it comes to worshiping these objects or, or thinking there's magical power in them it is nothing short of satanic. But interestingly enough, there is a spiritual element to what's happening here. And, and as these breakthroughs are coming and as people are being healed, 
Satan is being defeated. And so many times in our lives, though not all sickness and not all circumstances are related directly to Satan, certainly in, in Ty and Laura's story, that was, that was just sickness, but breakthroughs mark a victory over Satan so many times. And we see this truth at the end of verse 12. Here, look at, look at it with me. So even the handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. So there certainly was an element of spiritual warfare going on here, and we can trust that when Jesus breaks through and does miracles, that Satan is also being defeated. The very next incident here, beginning in Acts 1913 is an incident where these Jewish exorcists were roaming the hillsides with all of their hocus-pocus, and they looked over and they saw Paul, and, he, and his was working, and so they thought they would try it. And if you look with me briefly here at, at verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven of the Jewish high priests named Sceva were doing this, seven sons. But here, here's what I love, verse 15. But the evil spirit answered them. And I would not recommend that you just go talking to evil spirits. But the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? <laughs> That's awesome. Like, they're coming along with their fake nonsense, and the Spirit goes, oh, I recognize Jesus. Paul's with him. I don't know you. And then it goes on to say that this man got up, and he overcame these people, and they, they, they saw the power of God, so they put all their stuff in the middle of the town, and they burned all their magic arts, and there was a huge victory over Satan. And Paul's ministry was authenticated. And people knew where that power came from. It came from God. And, and you'll see this if you, if you go to other countries. When I was in India, you see it. You, know, they, you see people in a particular household, the way God is introducing himself in this country that worships all these false gods is he'll do a miracle in a, in a life, and then the other family members will see it. And I remember sitting in the living room of this Muslim family in this Muslim neighborhood, and this young girl, probably 13 years old, had been delivered of demons. And the whole family saw it happen, and they all became believers in Jesus Christ. And a house church had, had sprung up from that. And so there's tremendous power in miracles. God can do them, and God can defeat Satan in the process. But it's important for us to live in a state of belief that God is the power behind it. And that God does care. And you have to go back to the psalmist's words and trust that he's, he's looking into your heart and he hasn't forgotten you and he knows you. Because what Satan will try to do is come along and say, you know, you've been forsaken. Those prayers are nice, but they don't really matter. Or, or sometimes Satan will say, well, you're not useful to God. Why do, you, why do you even try? Or you're not capable of turning your life around. It's too messy. Well, let me tell you, God does turn lives around. And, and those of you this week who have watched Kanye West ex express his faith in Jesus Christ in no uncertain terms, I love the people that are going like, well, he has to prove it first. Really? 
Like, I'm the worst sinner of all, and he saved me. And, and that's the truth, and you've got to believe that. Your sin does not stop God from saving you. That's a miracle. Salvation is a miracle. And it comes from Jesus Christ, because there's, that's where the real power is. Just remember what the demon said. Oh yeah, Jesus I know. Paul I know. But I don't recognize you. That's because the false prophets are just that. They're false. They're peddling nonsense. So put your trust where it belongs. Miracles come, but the tools have no power. It's God providing the power. So, now you're wondering, okay, well that's all great. Love it. Cool. Great stories. Super neat to be there, I bet. But what's God going to do for me? And that's what I want to address right now. You, you may be asking, how do I initiate breakthrough miracles in my own life? How, how, how does that actually happen? Well, I don't mean to disappoint you, but my answer would be first, you can't. You can't make miracles happen. You can't make them happen. You, you, that becomes hocus pocus. God will do miracles when he's ready in a willing believer. And that's what was happening with Paul. But there is a way to stay close to the source of the miracles. There is a way to have a miracle accomplished in your life. But you're not going to like the answer because you can't buy it. You can't snap your fingers and have it be there. Sometimes you have to wait for it. And sometimes you have to go through incredible pain to get it. Here's what I, I think that breakthrough miracles can happen when I submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is when the miracles really start to happen. After all, there is no greater miracle in history than the cross. The cross is where we need to plant our flag. The cross is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who condescended himself in, in, in a human body, sinless, 100% man, 100% God, to go to the cross and carry sin for all mankind so that those who believe in him will be saved and have eternal life. That's a miracle. That's the greatest miracle. And so, you know what? We don't have to go chasing around to find all these formulas and all these cool people and, and all these religious systems. We just put our faith in Christ. We submit to Christ because that's where miracles are found. Because what happens is then your will, your power, becomes his power. And, and, and I know that not all of us share what happened to, to Ty and Laura. Not all of us have those quote-unquote success stories. But one thing that is always going to be true is that when Christ is inhabiting a believer who is willing to submit, miracles in that person's life will happen because the miracle of transformation is a miracle. And this is the unbreakable portion of the miracle. Because when God is shaping you and changing you, you grow deep roots, you become strong, and Satan then cannot have you. And so this is the psalmist again, and, and, and David is uh, 
a man who knew his own sin, but he also knew God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David was being transformed. And David wasn't perfect, but he knew who God was. And I've learned in my own life, in the darkest, deepest places and pain, losing a wife, losing a child, other struggles, that that's when God does his greatest work. But that's not dialing a 1-800 number or going to Amazon to order a prayer towel. That is just deep relational submission that happens over time. And that's what God wants. Because then we become like him. And so like the psalmist, I ask you this morning, is the Lord the stronghold of your life? Or are you trying to break through into miracles on your own? Are you trying to conjure up change? Are you running from formula to formula, person to person, friend to friend, to try to ease that pain that you're experiencing because you don't see breakthroughs? Well, this morning I want to encourage you to submit to the power of Christ. And then breakthroughs will happen. Then you will be renewed. Then you can rejoice. Then you will become unbreakable, even in the places of your deep brokenness. So this morning, I just want to pause for a moment as Justin plays. Will you please just pray? God, help me. Help me to believe. Help me to submit. Help me to trust. And then in that place that you've been praying for for so long or have lost trust in, just give it to him and allow him to speak to you. And then I'll close in prayer. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. We encourage you to receive the message that was just given and let the Lord do a mighty work in and through you. For more information on how to connect, give to this ministry, or for more faith-based resources, visit us at myrwc.org.